Good morning, everyone. My name is Stephen, and I'll be doing the second Bible reading this morning from John chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Well, thank you, Stephen, for reading that passage to us. Uh, let me just say, uh, I'm quite glad uh, with our kids' talk this morning. It's far easier than last week. I only had a sore back for a few days, but it was well worth it. Ollie's is a pretty heavy man. Uh, but let's, let us look at this passage. Let's join in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that teaches us about you, about how you made us, and how we are to live in honour of you. And so we pray that you'll help us to do just that today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are embarking on a new series on the topic of relationships. I mean, we all have relationships. We are all in relationships, either as a husband or wife, Father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter, cousin, aunt, uncle, friend. We all have relationships, and that's because we are all made for relationships by the God who is relational himself, as we have already heard already. God is a relational being, and he made us as relational beings, and ultimately to be in relationship with him. Now, I'm sure we all have, in our relationships, experienced all sorts of different feelings, and experiences and emotions. There are relationships that are a great source of joy, of happiness, of gladness, of laughter, of support and hope. But then, of course, there are relationships that, that are a source of, of hurt and, and pain and heartache and heartbreak and sadness and betrayal even and disharmony and even war. And so in this series, which I have titled A Better Story of Relationships, we will be exploring exactly that. What is the better story of relationships? How are relationships meant to work? And we'll be exploring the, the spectrum of relationships. This week will be on friendship. Next week, dating. We'll look at marriage and singleness and parenting over the next few weeks. But to understand human relationships rightly, we need to understand it from the standpoint of God's design and intention. We need to understand it from how God has made us. That is the better story of relationships. 
And so today the first one is on true friendship. Now, whether you're in preschool, kindergarten, or primary school, or high school, or university, or your working age, middle age, elderly, we all have different experiences of friendships. Some of us have grown distant from our friends. Some of us still have friends from when we were in kindergarten, and praise God for that. Some of us are still searching for deep and meaningful friendship. But some of us, we're fortunate enough to say, we have that trusted, loyal friend, which is better than gold. But unfortunately, it's perhaps true to say that true friends are hard to come by. And it tends to get harder the older you get. And it is especially true amongst men in the Western world. Perhaps it's just a product of men being men. I'm, I'm self-sufficient. And in our super connected social media world when it's so easy to be connected with so many people from all around the world i mean on my facebook page i've got over a thousand friends but how many of them can i call real genuine friends and so in this super connected social media world the irony is that we are lonelier than ever before according to statistics one in four australians are lonely they call themselves lonely, one in four. One in two report that they feel lonely at least one day a week. And if anything, this pandemic has exacerbated the isolation. 30% say that they are not part of any friendship groups. And you can just imagine that it's not going to be good for the mental health, for the emotional health. In fact, a study has even gone to say that long-term loneliness is as damaging to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And you can understand why. It is because we were made for relationships. We were made by God to be in relationship and especially to have friendship. It was Augustine, one of the church fathers in the 4th century, he said, In this world, two things are essential, life and friendship. Both should be highly prized and we must not undervalue them. And so what do we learn from God about friendship? Well, a book that I've spent a lot of time in, in preparing for this talk, is the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a, is a book filled with words of wisdom, observations of human life, and also wisdom on good and true friends. And so what do we see? Well, first, a true friend is one who is loyal and reliable. That friend is dependable. I can stake my life upon this friend. Perhaps loyalty is not a virtue we speak so much of anymore, but it is so important in true friends. You see, now in the generation which we see, commitment is so hard to come by. You hear people say, I just can't commit just yet. I'm, I'm subject to a better offer. I mean, I remember trying to organize a catch-up, a coffee catch-up with a, a young man in his 20s. I thought, let's, let's have a catch-up, see how you're going, especially let's see how you're going in your, your walk with Christ. And I remember trying to organize this meeting. It wasn't so easy. There's just so much of non-committalness, if I can say that. Let's catch up Saturday, 11, 11 a.m. It's mid-morning. Uh, he said, uh, it's a bit too early. I wake up at 11. Uh, let's try 
And they go, okay, 11.30. Well, Saturday, how about that? He said, um, well, it depends which Saturday, because if I'm out Friday night late, then I can't make it Saturday. Well, let's wait and see. I'm loyalty and reliability. It is so important amongst friends. And we see in Proverbs 18, verse 24, a verse I love. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I mean, that is the type of friend you want. Quantity of friends may sound good. It's good to have lots of friends, but quality is always better. And if you have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, that is more precious than gold. I mean, I was reminded of this recently, quite cutely, by one of my kids. I mean, kids, uh, they're having their birthday parties. Hopefully it will happen, but we'll see what happens. And as we're thinking about birthday parties, they're thinking about who to invite, how many friends. And with kids, you want to invite as many friends as you can, because more friends means more presents. But I was pleased to hear from what my youngest said. He said, I'd rather only have a few friends. Those friends I always play with. There's no point inviting everyone in class. They'll come, they'll enjoy the party, they'll have fun, but, but we don't play it any other times. I mean, I was quite pleased to hear that. It just at least meant that party will be a lot easier to manage. But you see, true friends are those who are loyal and reliable. They stick closer than a brother. Do you have a friend like that? I mean, if you want a picture of what that friendship is like, consider the story of David and Jonathan. Their affection for each other, just so beautiful to see, so lovely to read of. Their affection, their, how their lives were stitched together. I mean, Jonathan's father, Saul, King Saul, he wanted David dead. But Jonathan remained loyal to his friend David. And we read in 1 Samuel, it's this beautiful verse, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. I mean, that is the type of friend I want to share my life with. That is the type of friend I'll open my life to and open my heart to, and confide in, and share all my desires, but also all my struggles and needs. The friend who knows what I'm like with all my flaws and warts, but remains loyal. The, the one who will not take the secrets I share, and just displays it for everyone else to see, and, and shares it to anyone else. The friend who will not break my confidence. The friend who... It's like in Proverbs 17. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. You want a friend who is reliable, loyal, honest, someone you can confide in. Because the one who gossips, that is a sure way to destroy friendship. And so a true friend, one who is loyal and reliable... I can call this friend when my car is broken down and that friend will come. I can share my deepest secrets and know it will be safe. I can always depend on this friend when I'm in need. Second, a true friend is loving and selfless. That is, this is not a friendship where I'm your friend because I can get something from you. 
but they're in this friendship because of you, out of love for you and for your good. Their interest is for you. Not a friendship where I just take and take and take, and I'm sure we've experienced friends like that. They just keep on taking and taking and taking. But the type of friend who is around you, not because of the stuff you have, because we see the danger there. I mean, if that is the type of friend we have, that should raise some red flags. Just like this proverb, Proverbs 19. Wealth attracts many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. And so what that is saying is, in a sense, you don't want to be like the prodigal son. When he had all the wealth, he lived it up. He had plenty of friends. They all wanted to hang around him like bees to a beehive. But when he squandered it all, we read in Luke, he longed to be filled with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. I mean, where were his friends? They were nowhere. But instead, you want a friend who genuinely loves you. Just like this proverb, Proverbs 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a difficult time. That is the type of friend who sticks with you through all your difficult times. In fact, that is the type of friend you find and discover is closer than a brother because of those difficult times. He's born in a time of affliction. I mean, this past week where we've all been in lockdown and we can't meet up with our friends, but I also delighted to receive a few phone calls. One of the phone calls I received this week was from one who is in hospital. I mean, if anything, I should be giving him a call, but he gave me a call and he said, I wanted to just hear your voice and have a chat with you and and catch up a bit. I mean, wasn't that so nice? I mean, I consider him a friend, but he's more like an elderly, wise grandfather figure in my life. And he has been there in our difficult times. And there was a season when Yvonne and myself, we were having a difficult time. Not, not in our marriage, but just a difficult season of life. And, and he was the friend who was there. I remember him still saying, if this feels like the crucifixion to you, then the Christian story is that the resurrection will happen soon. And those were words we just needed at that time. And it was true. A friend, a brother is born for a difficult time. But love also means, just like the kids talk, being willing to say the hard words when it needs to be said. In Proverbs 27, Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. I mean, if you've got a major character flaw... If you've made a huge mistake, and we all have flaws, we all make mistakes, a true friend is one who's willing to say that. More than just say, you know, you've got something between your teeth and you look hideous, get rid of it, or the friend who will say your fly's undone. But the friend who will say the harder words, the friend out of love who would say, brother, sister, this is hard for you to hear, but I need to say this. You have to stop. You have to change. That is a true friend. And if that friend is a true friend, it may be hard to hear. The wounds are hard to take. 
but it is for our good. You'd rather, than, you'd rather that than the fake excessive kisses of those who don't really care for you. Or Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28, 23. The one who rebukes a person will later find more favor than one who flatters with his tongue. Now, this doesn't mean you don't encourage your friend, but flattery, too much of it, just puffs up the head. Or as Pastor Tim Keller puts it, like a surgeon, friends cut you in order to heal you. And so a true friend, loving and selfless, even if it hurts, I will say so, and I will tell you so. I mean, have you got a friend like that? When was the last time you've been rebuked? By a friend. Have a think of that. I mean, I've made many silly mistakes. I've been careless with my words. And, but I've got some brothers who would say to me, John, you, you can't say that. That, that is wrong. That, that is hurtful. You cannot say that. They are the true friends. Their wounds can be trusted because they are loving. Finally, Good friends, true friends, are godly and a godly influence. Now, I'm not sure how your parents were when you were growing up. Were they involved in your friendship groups? Did they make any comments about your friendship groups? Or those of you who are parents now, do you say much about the friends your children are friends with? You ever hear parents say, I'm not too sure if that friend is going to be a good influence on you. I don't think I want you to hang around that friend. I mean, it sounds so overbearing for parents to say such a thing. But there is wisdom in that. You see, friends influence us, and we influence our friends, whether we know it or not. And if they're godly, they'll influence, influence us towards godliness. If they're ungodly, they'll influence us in ungodliness. And so you want to choose your friends. And so that's what we see, Proverbs 22. In Proverbs 22... Don't make friends with an angry man and don't be a companion of a hot-tempered man or you'll learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Have you noticed that amongst your friends? Whatever friendship group you're in, eventually we'll rub off on each other, we'll influence each other. I, I still remember the different friendship groups I've had growing up. One in primary school, at that time I did some foolish things. So I had a foul mouth. Now, I don't blame my friends. That, that was my fault. I own it. But they did influence me. Instead, friends should be like this. And this is a verse I love. Proverbs 27. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Is it good friends sharpen each other in their character. Good friends help each other grow in their character. Like iron sharpening irons. It's not easy, it's meant to hurt, but you get sharper. And if you have such a friend who has sharpened you, then that is more precious than gold. Friends who make you, not sentimentally, but genuinely a better person, a more godly person. And perhaps that should be one of the the tests for those of you who are in the dating relationship period of your life. I mean, one of the tests is to see, is this 
boyfriend, girlfriend, moving you towards godliness or moving you towards sin. That should be a big red flag. Or as Abraham Kuyper puts it, he is your friend who pushes you nearer to God. That is a true friend. Now, if you think about all those things, it's a high order, isn't it? It is not easy to find such a friend, one who is loyal and reliable, loving and selfless, influencing you towards godliness, one who sticks closer than a brother. It seems like such a friend is too good to be true. But if you do have such a friend in your life, do praise the Lord for such a friend. But the best friends, the best of our friends, do sometimes disappoint. It is the nature of living in this broken world with broken people. We are all broken. And for us to expect our friends to be that perfect friend is to lay upon them too big of a burden for them to bear. But there is one. There is one indeed who sticks closer than a brother. There is one who without fail will always walk with us through all the valleys of life. There is one who will walk with us through the shadow of death. There is one who will always be there, never abandon us, never to forsake us, always there to comfort us and guide us and care for us and support us and encourage us and to spur us on. One who is there to correct us and rebuke us and shape us into the likeness of Christ. And of course, that is Jesus Christ himself. I mean, even the Proverbs here look forward to such a friend. He's the friend we want and more. And that is why for those of you who are Christians, you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, you follow after him, you need never feel lonely. Because if there is one relationship you were made for, it is to be in relationship with Jesus, to be a friend of Jesus. And what we find in the Gospels is a beautiful picture of the type of friend Jesus is. He's a friend to all people, to those who are despised by society, to those who are outcasts, to those who can't make friends. I mean, consider the story of the leper. You, you wouldn't get close to a leper, nor would you touch a leper. They would, they would reek, they would stink. But Jesus, what did he do? He not only touched the leper, he cleaned the leper, cleansed the leper. That is the type of friend Jesus is. Or the prostitute who, who washed the feet of Jesus. The Pharisees were there scorning. How could he let this filthy, dirty woman touch his feet? But that is the type of friend Jesus is, who welcomes in, who brings in the destitute, the poor, the needy. No one is outside the circle of which Jesus calls friend. But Jesus is not just any other friend. Jesus is a friend who loves like no one else can. And Jesus tells us in that reading the extent to which a true friend would go. In John 15 verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That is the type of friend Jesus is. That is what a true friend would go. Now you may have friends who would take the bullet for you. You may be that friend who would take a bullet for your friend. But with Jesus, we know so. We know for sure he is that friend because he did lay down his life for us. 
I mean, if you consider that, it should just blow our minds. Because we're talking here about not just any other person. We're talking about here the Lord, the King of the universe, the one who made all the stars and names them all, the one who gives life to everything, all the birds and insects and the flowers and the plants, the one who sustains all things. I mean, for anyone of us to say, we've got a friend in a high place, that is, that is impressive, isn't it? If, if any one of us were able to say, you know, me and ScoMo, we're just like this, we're buddies, we're mates. But here we're talking about the ruler of the universe. And what does he say? You are my friend. You are my friend. In John 15, I no longer call you servants, because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. I mean, I would have been absolutely content to remain a servant of Jesus, because that is to serve the king and the king of the universe. But here it's, it's just so overwhelming, so wonderful, so glorious. He brings me into the intimacy he shares with his father, and he calls me friend. He calls you friend. But even more than that, this is a friend who loves us so much that he will change us. He will not allow us to remain the way we are. He wants to change us and sharpen us like iron. And how does he do that? How do we know? How do you know that you are amongst the friends of Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us. You are my friends if you do what I command. I mean, that's a unique type of friendship. None of us would be able to say that to any of our friends. I'm your friend. You're my friend if you do what I say. Of course not, but with Jesus. Friendship with Jesus means we trust him. We obey him. We submit ourselves to him for our own good. He is that type of friend. He recreates us to be like him as we obey him and submit to him. And so in Jesus, what we find is we have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if we have that friend, we have all that we need. He is loyal, reliable, loving, selfless, godly, and a godly influence, and more. And so what is the better story of relationships? What is the better story of friendships? Well, the story is firstly... Do you have a true friend? Because you can if you don't. Do you have a true friend? And that is, do you have a true friend in Jesus himself? Not just know about him, but know him intimately, where he says to you, you are my friend. That type of friend. The type of friend who even said to Peter, remember him, the disciple? Jesus one point said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. And Peter disowning his friend three times. But what type of friend was Jesus? Jesus did not abandon him. Jesus did not leave him. Jesus did not push him away to the wolves. But Jesus still loved him and trusted him like a trusted friend. And so do you have a friendship with Jesus? Because if you do... You've got something far more precious than gold. 
the friend who knows you better than anyone else in this world. He sees into the darkness of your heart all that you have done, all your filth, all your wrongs, all your warts. But yet he says, I love you still and you are my friend. I mean, that's the better story of friendship, isn't it? The story of God coming to us. Jesus coming down from heaven to earth and saying, you are my friend. But there are some practical applications for all of us. And for the last few minutes, let me quickly go through a few. For married couples amongst us, it's important to not limit your friendship to only your spouse. Very easy to become introverted in any marriage, but be a friend to those beyond your marriage so that you don't miss out on the blessing they can be to you nor the blessing you can be to them. And don't limit your friendship to only other married couples and other families, friends beyond the marriage. Two, those of you who feel like you don't have friends, well, the general principle applies here. You reap what you sow. You need to ask yourself how much you have invested in friendship. If you're sitting around thinking, I just don't have any friends, there's no one who likes me, you have to ask yourself how much you have invested in friendship. If all you have done over the last month was five minutes over social media, you cannot expect the strength of a friendship that was forged over years through the valleys of life. You won't get that type of friendship. You reap what you sow. Third, make friends across generations. It's easy to make friends with those who are like us, of the same age, of the same demographic, but invest in friends across generations so that we don't miss out on that type of blessing. And so those of us who are older, perhaps it might mean investing in a younger man, a younger woman, a younger couple, and to share with them what God has taught us in life and to be a blessing to them, to be a friend to them. And of course, those of us who are younger, we seek friendship in those who are older than us. In the kindness of God, I've benefited so much from friendships of those who are more than twice my age. Fourth, be a true friend. It's very easy to hear this talk and think and sit around and wonder, do I have a true friend? But the question must be, are you the true friend? How have you invested what type of friend are you? Are you the type of friend who, who understands the friendship you have with Jesus and models that and reflects that in how you are a friend? Or are you the type of friend who, who really shows no loyalty at all, completely unreliable? I mean, your friends serve you, but you never really take initiative like what we heard in the tips. You never really lift a finger and you are a terrible terrible influence upon your friends where were you when your friend was in hospital do you know that your friend was having a bad season do you even know or are you the type who would say i'll get close but not too close because if that is what you say then you'll be left with only that type of friend and so the question is also for us today not whether i have a true friend but whether i am that true friend and of course, finally, we end with the best friend of all. Do you have a friend in Jesus? 
the one who came from heaven to earth for you. The one who, just like Jonathan and David, whose soul is knit to our soul. Do you have a friend in Jesus? He's the best friend you'll ever get. Just like that song, that hymn, and we'll sing this after this. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made us relational beings to have relationships and ultimately with you. And we thank you that Jesus Christ came and calls us friend. Did not call us anymore a servant, but calls us friend. And so help us to see how precious it is to have that friend in Jesus. But also help us, Lord, to be that true friend who are loyal and reliable and loving and selfless and godly and continues to be a godly influence upon our friends. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.